Hello, and welcome back to Empty the Cues. It's the show where I show the people the shows. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I have returned. Uh, I have finally finished doing the editing and sound design for season two of Valence, which is a really big deal. And it means I can finally <laughs> relax and watch shows with my friends who I love. <laughs> Yay! Uh, in this episode, sweet, Joshi and I talk about season one, episode nine. Nope. Season one, episode eight <laughs> of Community, uh, which is home economics. Um, if you are not already aware, we do now have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash empty the cues where you can get uh, extended episodes at certain levels. So feel free to look there because what I cut from this episode for the extended version is a conversation about Vaughn's tiny nipples and I braved Reddit for Josh. So, <laughs> and for all of you. So, um, so uh, compensation for uh, emotional damages would be appreciated. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Joshi, you have things to say about this one. I do. Um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to say this right up front okay. in the same way that um, two episodes ago, uh, the episode made me like Britta. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was surprised by that, but this one kind of made me angry because it kind of made me like Jeff a little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, but it's not okay. It's only sort of like, uh, all right, let's, let's explain the whole thing and then yeah. we'll, we'll get into it. But I have, I have complicated feelings <laughs> regarding this episode and I also have a big question that I need to pose um, once we're done recapping. Okay, so A plot, I think, is arguably the Jeff plot here. Mm-hmm. Yep. So Jeff is effectively homeless. He is living in his car. He is showering at, like, uh, uh, like a little, like a hose faucet yeah, thingy. Yeah, it's just an outdoor spigot. Spigot, thank you. No particular backstory. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so he moves into Abed's dorm, um, which is an interesting concept in itself, because I don't think that community colleges have these. Typically, they do not, in my experience. Uh, also, this dorm is the nicest dorm room I've ever seen. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's huge, and Abed is the only one in it. Oh, no, he has his roommate. He does? Yeah, he's got the roommate who is an international student. Or is he not a roommate? He's just in the dorm hall. He's just in the dorm hall. He lives across the hall. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Yeah. 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 No community. Nuh-uh. Mm -mm. uh, but is, we'll take it for this episode. Yeah, this is a plot device housing situation. But it's fine yes. <laughs> because this is also, you know, a sitcom. So Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so Jeff moves in with Abed, and basically they just watch a ton of TV and shoot the shit. And Jeff talks about some of his uh, daddy issues. Um, and Abed is like, Abed realizes that this is not good for Jeff. Jeff is really letting himself slip in ways that are uncharacteristic of himself. So Abed tries to get Britta to 
seduce Jeff into leaving. And Britta says, no, no. And instead seduces Jeff back, not with her body, but with very fancy faucets that were at Jeff's last apartment. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's A plot. Yeah. B plot is... Um, I think it's probably uh, Annie and Shirley and Troy. Agreed. So Annie is struggling with her attraction to Troy. She uh, she helps. She's helping Troy learn how to be good on a date, which is just just a form of self harm for Annie at this point. She's and surely. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, she's playing Ducky this entire episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's just being the best friend that's attracted to the main character in a 1980s high school movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it is not healthy for Annie. Um, no. As we see throughout the uh, many points throughout the entire episode where she's just constantly like, no, or, you know, saying something under her breath. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and Shirley notices this and tries to get Annie to own up to her feelings and to say something and to stop doing this to herself. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, of eventually, Annie fakes appendicitis. Uh, was that Patton Oswalt as the... It was. It was. That's what I thought. It was a very young Patton Oswalt. Well, not very young, but, you know, moderately younger young. Patton Oswalt. Yeah. Who... Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll get to it, but, like, he does the same thing that Annie has been trying to do to Troy. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then eventually, so she fakes appendicitis. Troy still goes on his date. And then the closest that she gets to saying anything or asserting herself or being real is she takes back, like, the picnic blanket that they're using. Um, and then... She has a really sweet interaction with Shirley that made my heart do a lot. She does. Let's make everybody wait for it when we recap yeah. this plot line, though. Agreed. <laughs> uh, and then what's what's the C plot? Oh, the C plot is, is Pierce. Song. Yeah, it's Pierce. Um, in, Vaughn. It, yeah, in the beginning of the episode, um, Britta sees Vaughn, and it's another Vaughn episode, and. Uh-huh. Um, he understandably does not want to speak to or interact with Britta. And she's like, no, I really just, I want to be friends. And he's blowing her off. And um, Pierce is nearby uh, and he sees that interaction and he's like, oh, okay, you know what? Don't worry. I'll talk to a man to man. And she tells Pierce, absolutely not. And so Mm -hmm. cut to next interaction where um, he says to, you know, the group, hey, I ignored your advice, Britta. I spoke to him. I'm sorry. I can't get you two back together, but I am in his band now. Yeah. And they play a... I I will say it was moderately catchy uh, song. Yeah, yeah. Um, Moderately catchy, extremely mediocre. Yeah, extremely... It's (laughs) it's a very college guy song. Um, It's white guy reggae. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's bad. It just stuck yeah. in my head while I'm watching this episode. Yes. Um, yes, it'll do that. And um th- and they write a song about how much Britta sucks. Mhm. And so 
um, Britta confronts Vaughn and they're in the like recording uh, room and Britta goes in there while, during band practice and she yells at Vaughn and Pierce on the other side of the room is like, hey, 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 you know, I'll talk to him. And long story short, Pierce gets kicked out of the band mm-hmm. um, and uh, they write a song about how much Pierce sucks. Mm-hmm. But Pierce is like, that's about me. Wow. Yeah. I'm still important. Yeah. And I mean, I guess we don't really have to talk too much about this one. But the main thing that um, that I took away from this entire thing is how Britta thought that Pierce was standing up for her. Right. Because... Uh-huh. For some reason, we're led to believe that in a uh, a soundproof room, she couldn't hear those two discussing and re- in regular right. volume on the other side of the room. And right. like Pierce is saying, you know, um, you're calling Britta uh, the song about Britta your song when it's our song. Are you trying to right. are you trying to Garfunkel me? Um, and so like. They get into that argument, and Pierce leaves, and Britta's like, oh, my God, Pierce, were you defending my honor? And he, because he's a piece of shit, says, yes, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's that's pretty much the Pierce thing. Like, the uh, they, they write an almost identical song about how much Pierce sucks, and he's just like, yes, that's me. I am the Pierce that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I need to know... Your question about Vaughn. Okay, all right. So I haven't done the research on this, and but is there makeup going on with his nipples? Because they are very <laughs> tiny. And I have to say, I don't know if it's just that actor or if I hear keyboard clicking, and I really hope you are going to the boards on this one. Like, is that... Oh, I am. Is that just him? Uh, and I'm also mildly irritated with this actor in general because a few days ago uh it is you know scary movie season uh, and i was looking up movies to watch and i saw the thing and i was super excited because it was on one of my streaming services so i wouldn't have to rent it right and i turned it on and it's a re- it's a freaking prequel they made a few years ago that is also named the thing what that uh that has that same actor in it no! and so now I'm, every time i see vaughn i'm just associating that disappointment and rage i felt at seeing that crappy version of the thing, which barely had any practical effects. It was mostly CGI, which, like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Did you not watch the thing? Like, Do Do you you not not know anything about this movie? Yeah. And, like, oh, I I hate the thought that, that, oh, yeah, no, we would have used CGI, uh, but we had to use practical effects. No, practical effects are amazing. And and CGI isn't bad, and it's best when it's used with practical effects. Yes. Um, But, like, it's not just getting... There's no Cronenberg! And that movie's all... That movie is about Cronenberg. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, yeah, apparently... Uh, the remake, uh, the original is John Carpenter's The Thing, and the new one is just called The Thing. Um, 
and I'm furious. God. I will die mad about this. <laughs> so I did. I did look it up. Um, there is uh, the our community subreddit uh, has a post about it, and I will say I've I am not a Reddit user. Um, I have been on Reddit, like I've seen things from Reddit, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm not on here a lot. Yeah. And the R community is set up in a very cute way. Um, they're, <laughs> they, they call the community E Pluribus Anus Alumni, which, uh, y- you will understand later, Josh. E Pluribus Anus? Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. This show's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Let's 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 talk about this a plot first. Yes, I think absolutely. Um, Jeff is a human. Yeah, this is the most human we see Jeff so far. Mm-hmm. Very. And it's funny because all of the other episodes where they're trying to show a human side of Jeff, it's him in arguably like a questionable position of power but still pretty much in control of things mm-hmm. and trying to you know make everything else work out and in this one he's just lost it yeah yeah he is he is gone uh i really like that like consistently when there's an episode that pairs abed with another character abed always brings out the most honest and human part of that character um usually that means like a really intense flaw, but consistently Abed just accepts that about them. Mm-hmm. Even when there's conflict there, like I really, I really love, I really love Abed. I think that he's one of the most well-written like sitcom characters to date. I think, uh, I think that's the thing with Abed is that because he kind of sees everyone as a trope or as a character, their flaws aren't necessarily, they're not bad. They're just part of something that's associated with that person. Right. Exactly. And exactly. to enjoy that person or to enjoy, to enjoy the Diane, you have to accept the fact that she will fall for Sam. Like that's... I, that's right. sort of the Abed rationale behind that. And I really love that, too. Yeah. It's, yeah. There is a moment at the end where Jeff has, like, he's now staying in a motel. He's looking for apartments. He's, like, trying his best. And Abed looks, like, content, but a little sad. And Jeff says, like, you would have let me stay there forever, wouldn't you? And Abed's just like, yeah. Yeah. Of course. Absolutely. You are my friend. And right. as such, I would love to have you be with me the entire time. Like, he makes a comparison that Jeff is E.T. And it's great. Yeah. Because in that relationship, the kid is the one that's taking care of E.T. The kid is the competent one. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so he knows he is much better off than Jeff, both uh, just like spiritually, mentally. Like Abed knows he is good 
with who he is and where he is in his life. And he knows mm-hmm. that Jeff is spiraling. And he, yes. he's like, not everybody can do what I do. And as much as I enjoy hanging out with Jeff, because I like Jeff, I I would be killing Jeff if I kept him here. Right. Like, in in any other show, the Abed character type is, like, the least emotionally stable the least well-adjusted and the least nurturing Mm -hmm. and well granted i think that abed is like sometimes it challenged on on nurturing from like shirley um there's no doubt he's the most well-adjusted yeah like he has moments for sure but so far the only time we've seen abed like really respond emotionally to something was with that episode with his dad Mm -hmm. and he took he took that and processed it and turned it into art like he is is so so much more emotionally mature than anyone else in this group yeah absolutely and in any other show that moment when he sits down with britta and is like you have to get jeff out the Per, the Abed, per, the person in Abed's shoes would be because he is driving me insane. Exactly. In, I love that they didn't do that. Yeah, in this episode, it's because I am killing him. Like, it, right. <laughs> he cannot adapt to my way of life. Um, and it's just, it shows so much heart and so much, um, like, perceptiveness on his part. And I mean, it doesn't take much to perceive that Jeff is spiraling in this, but like, yeah, we're, you know, we spend the first couple of episodes being led to believe that Abed has no idea how people work right? when he has the best idea how people work out of this exactly. entire group. Exactly. Which I think could be, I was going to say I think could be an entire uh, analysis of how we interact with art. And then I realized that, like, I used a lot of this episode in my video essay about Abed for a reason. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I did have that conversation. Yeah. Like, so, like, Abed is deeply invested in media. And media is deeply invested in people. And it's also made by people. And I think that, like, Abed is aware of that. And sometimes lines blur. But Abed is also somebody who pays close attention to things. Um, and I just, I think it's such a, like, obviously I'm biased. I'm I'm literally a professional media critic. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so these kinds of stories, like, do hit me in a specific way. But I I really like representations of people who love media and use it for good yeah it's very much like um when most people like most people can watch a tv show and it's like that surface level of the matrix where they see the world and everything but abed is the one that can see the zeros and like the code right he sees in, in the neon green letters and everything and it's just it's like he can see that Tropes exist because people tell stories of these characters because, you know, people fall into these positions a lot. Right. Like, we tell these stories for reasons. And granted, 
like that could go into discussion about like how a lot of narratives are very harmful, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. But I also think that Abed is aware of those and strives to learn about those too, Um, which we'll see more of as we go on. Um, I want to, I want to bring us over to discussion about Jeff Mm -hmm. too. Yes. Um, I really like, I really like how Jeff dissolves in this episode. Like, I think that the first couple of episodes of Community try to make you believe that Jeff, that Jeff's confidence is real. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that this episode solidified that his confidence is such a thin veneer over so much self-loathing and unresolved trauma that he is unwilling to engage with. Uh, And I really liked that. I like how easily it crumbled and how hard and fast he spiraled. I absolutely loved that one scene when he's sitting on the couch with Abed and Mm -hmm, they're talking mm -hmm. about how TV is the best father either of them ever had and Jeff is like you know TV never abused me TV never left me at the zoo TV never came home drunk like Mm -hmm. it's the most human we see Jeff and I think it explains so much of why Jeff is the way he is like it's that it's that never ending cycle of like uh, of masculinity making you horrified by emotional engagement and how that will continue circling, you mm-hmm. know, across generations. And just that whole, if I sort of deaden the part of myself that believes in other people, I will never yeah. be disappointed or hurt by them. Right. Oofa doofa. I know. There was so much growth from Jeff in like two minutes of speech where they're yeah. watching, it's either the Jeffersons or a cartoon. And mm-hmm. it's, oh my God. Uh, yeah. It's it's also nice to know that he's a little bit of a nerd because he's trying to sell his Spider-Man comics to yeah. <laughs> uh, to get some quick cash. I, I loved that exchange at the end too, where after Jeff, you know, after Abed is like, yeah, I would have let you stay forever. Jeff says, you're pretty cool, Abed. And Abed is just like, yeah, you're a huge nerd. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. And then they hug. Yeah. Uh, I love friendship. Yes. It made me really happy. And like when um, and he's smiling at Abed and when Abed calls him a huge nerd, if he did that like two episodes ago, he would have had like a quip. But he just sort of oh, yeah. keeps smiling and he's like, yep, you know, like. Yeah. It's, it's the first time Jeff has ever felt comfortable being actually seen by somebody. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad it was with Abed. Me too. Oh, the show is so good. God damn it. You are right. (laughs) Right? Like, it's moments like these where, like, so watching this episode, I was like, yeah, this is good. This is a good episode. That was a sweet interaction. But unpacking it more and more, like, there's so many layers to what makes it so good. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you don't ruminate on it, you know that it's a good episode. But there's so many, there's so much to pick apart, but it's so concise. Like, it really doesn't. It doesn't show off how good it is, ever. It just is good. Yeah. It nev- it, it, there's never... Um, 
<laughs> there's never those moments that there's one in every Mel Brooks movie after a certain point where they make fun of Oscar scenes. And, yeah. and you know, there's just Oscar clip flashing at the bottom of the scene when somebody's overacting or something like there's never there's never a moment in the episodes that we've seen so far where there's been an intense like emotional burst just for the se- of, for the sake of that it really feels like these characters are genuinely evolving yes yeah and we're on what like episode 8 yeah this is episode <laughs> 8 and i like I like that the show lets itself get really absurd for the purpose of telling very small stories. Like, I feel like... I feel like a lot of, especially comedy writing, but even, like, blockbuster writing, like, it deals with... That kind of writing deals with stakes in a way that is usually very off-putting to me, you know? Like, where you know, people are trying to do X, Y, Z, and it's these huge over-the-top things. And the story just stays huge. Here, we have Jeff spiraling in a huge, absurd, ridiculous way. Um, mm-hmm. But for the purpose of giving, like, an actual emotional honesty. Because, like, in in a real-world setting, obviously, if we looked at Jeff spiraling the way that he did... Uh, it it would be, you know, like, people would be panicked. But I really like that that is genuinely the way that spiraling feels. Yeah. And it, it I, I love when things are heightened for the purpose of furthering intimacy for emotional accuracy versus things being heightened just to heighten, mm-hmm. you know? And I also um, just... Talking about Jeff, I also really like that there's a little bit of a message here regarding him uh, and just people in general where it's just like, it's okay to like stuff. Like, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine to have an attachment to things that normally in, you know, once again, any other sitcom, somebody would lose this stuff and then they would feel like they're free or, you know, Mm -hmm. um, but he you know, Britta, in another move that just kind of makes me like Britta more, uh, mm-hmm. she breaks into his condo yeah, and gets, <laughs> gets his fancy faucet because that's something that he, uh, like, he customized it. He scratched a notch in there for the optimal uh, heat level for combination skin, you mm-hmm. know? Um or, like, moisturizing combination skin. And, like, it's something that he put a little bit of himself into. Yes. And it's okay to sort of, like, take some stuff into your soul, you know? Not right. everybody can just free fall and, you know, uh, find um, just fulfillment without, with not having stuff. Right. And it's just, I just like that the lesson is, you know, it's okay to like stuff, even though it's, you know, it says that it's still, uh, it's still Britta being like, you know, you are shallow, but maybe being shallow is part of the structure of who you are. 
Right. Yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Like, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this episode was really good. Yeah. Well, well mostly. I could have done without the Vaughn storyline. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, all the stuff with, like, I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to say that it's Vaughn's fault. It's just that he soaked up a lot of Pierce radiation from being in close contact (laughs) with Vaughn. And I cannot stress enough how much I hate Pierce Hawthorne. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. He is an irredeemable jerk, and I do not uh-huh. care for him. This is okay. Mm-hmm. This is this is a full-on Lucille Bluth. Like I don't pick favorites. I love all the members of the study group equally. Cut to I don't care I for don't Pierce. Care for Pierce. That's that's exactly where we're at. Um, oh, I can't wait for us to talk to John. Oh, does he hate Pierce as well, or? Oh no, does he? You'll see. Does he like Pierce? You'll see. <gasps> oh no! <laughs> let's let's talk about this uh, Annie Troy story. Okay. Yes, please. I need to. <laughs> I need to rinse <laughs> clean my mind. Um, okay. So yeah. So Annie is a mess. She really didn't learn anything from from episode, I guess, six, huh? No. I mean, that that is, you know, the standard sitcom stuff. You gotta reset somewhat back to zero. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think this is... Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna toss another thing out there that I've been obsessed with lately. I like how mm-hmm. this show is gradually turning into us saying all of the other pieces of media that we enjoy <laughs> in relation to this. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh, uh-huh. But also, just like Hades... Uh, after the last episode ended, she went back to reset, but like slightly better than she was before. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Right. And yeah. also, Hades is a good game. Go play Hades. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we love super giant games on here. It's true. If anyone from there is listening, um, we love you. Yeah. And also, I, I don't know, if you ever need somebody to act alongside Logan Cunningham, yeah, just give me a call. I'll, uh-huh. I will be so happy. Uh- <laughs> Hire Joshy. Joshy, good. Yeah. Can confirm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so Annie is not doing well. Um, and at the start of this episode, Troy is oh there's there's like a kind of cute moment where they're leaving the classroom and Troy like wraps his arms around Annie and he's like ah I'm Annie's backpack like he's just you know m- messing around and yeah he's just goofing around yeah he's just being a goof um and she clearly loves that um mm-hmm. and then he goes to her and he says hey so Annie I um. I don't know what to do. Uh, I want to ask this person out on like an adult date, um, but I don't know like what I should do. And she thinks that he is asking her out, but mm-hmm. he is in fact genuinely asking for her advice um, to ask out someone else. And I really like how they don't vilify Troy at all in this episode. Yes, I did really like that. 
because it's really not his fault. Anything that's going on around... Not even a little. No. Yeah. He is like, there's... You could make the argument like, oh, there's no way he'd be that oblivious. But we already know that Troy doesn't know shit about shit. Mm -hmm. Of course he's that oblivious. Yeah. He is the gentle himbo. Um, Yes. And just, yeah. And Shirley sees this and she's like, Annie, what are you doing, buddy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And there's, you know, that funny exchange in the cafeteria where... He's like, okay, so what should I do for the date? And Annie's like, oh, you should invite her to this night under the stars thing. And he's like, oh, okay, what should I do with that? And she lets him borrow her grandmother's blanket uh-huh. that she that her grandmother used to woo her grandfather on a picnic. Um, and Shirley sees that and she's like, no, honey, come on. Yeah. And and Annie's le- and she says to Annie, you know, love is uh, love is like a game of dice. You got to roll or you got to let your turn go or something like that. It's like a board mm-hmm. game or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. And then Annie's just like, yeah, I got to roll. And she's just making a jerk off motion for a prolonged yeah. period of time, <laughs> which, you know, I, w- I won't lie. It got a cheap laugh out of me and I wasn't Same. mad about it. <laughs> and, then, and then Shirley is like, just just do that in your head. Yeah. Just yeah. Do that in your head. Yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> Let's, can we talk about that very sweet moment between the two of them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, after all of this drama, uh, and Annie has faked appendicitis, she storms out in, like, a hospital gown, which is uh, ridiculous, um, to go confront Troy while he is on his date. And obviously the show is, like, gearing you up that this is going to be Annie's, like, big emotional romantic confession. But instead, all she does is she, like, indignantly takes the blanket back. And then she sees Shirley close by and says, like, don't judge me. This is huge for me. And Shirley just Mm -hmm. says, I know, honey. Let's go find you some pants. Yeah. Oh. yeah, I know. That was so that was so sweet and so tender. I know Shirley I, can't be perfect all the time. Like I know eventually right. they're going to do an episode where Shirley is awful, but like Yes. Shirley is perfect. Shirley is perfect though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. I love that she I love that she has faith in Annie that Annie will do things. And I love that she has, like, ambitions for Annie's emotional growth. But I love that regardless of those things, she still meets Annie where she is. Mm -hmm. And she is willing to take progress as progress, which is something I would love to see more in media, just, like, in general. And there's also the fact that Shirley, um, you know, caught her husband cheating and left him and so there's that element of she knows what it's like to be yanked around by your heart right and so it's kind of like like they don't explore it that much in this episode but just like because i've been watching this show and forcing myself to think a lot about it like well not Mm -hmm. forcing but you know thinking a lot about it um there's that element of the fact that she's just like, you know, I've been where you are. Um, and I know this is huge. Like, 
Um, I'm sure at one point, you know, before she threw out her husband, there was a moment where she just like snapped at him and it was a little thing, but it was huge to her. And I think Mm -hmm. this was that like. Yeah. What a good episode. It really is. Mostly. Mostly. Uh, Yeah. I mean, if if I could watch um, like a community abridged version that just removes Pierce. (laughs) <laughs> I would be fine with that. I would be so fine with that. Man, there's so many things I could say right now uh, that I can't. Um, you are not allowed to research this show more. Okay, that is that is fine. I I will <laughs> I will make that promise. Uh, and all of you are audible wi- uh, witnesses to this. So I will not research this show more. <laughs> good but i bet you chevy messes it up somehow (laughs) (laughs) guaranteed it's a steady acting gig he's in the public eye he's gonna mess it up he's gonna fuck it up he's just gonna he's gonna let that ego run yep and yeah yep anything else about this episode um pierce is a b um Uh uh-huh yeah it, <laughs> um no i think that's i think that's it i think we covered everything i just yeah. i just really like the car- every time this show subverts expecta- sitcom expectations to make the characters um like each other more i fall in love with this show a little bit yeah Oh man. Yeah, and we're not even we're not even to when it really starts doing that. That's like that's the show's whole thing. Mhm. So, yeah, I mean, uh like everyone in our age group, I am a sucker for a found family trope. Oh yes. Uh, oh yes. <laughs> and so this entire show is just going to play with my heartstrings. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Cool. I love it. I can't wait. (laughs) (laughs) I'm still laughing from when I recorded the first half of the wraparound for this episode. I'm really sleepy and I forgot that recording the wraparound for the show is really chaotic. You can follow us on socials at Empty the Cues pod. You can find us at emptythecues.wordpress.com. Next episode, I will be watching... uh, Avatar The Last Airbender, <laughs> season one, episode eight with Caro. It is the winter solstice. We're getting to some good shit over on the Atla track. So if you're not listening, listen to that too. And that's all I think I say here in the wrap around. Okay, bye. <laughs>